Hi, I'm Rick Atkins, pastor here at CFCC. Welcome. We hope you enjoy this sermon and that God uses it to grow you in your relationship with Him. Before we get started, our goal is not to replace your investment in a local church with online content. We were made for community. We want to encourage you to engage in a local church with your gifts. See, when the people of God invest in the community of God, they experience the transformative power of God. And that is our hope and prayer for you. Again, thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the sermon. Amen. Amen, church. You guys can have a seat. Good morning. It's good to see all of you guys this morning. What a beautiful day in Myrtle Beach it is. Let me say welcome to all of you joining us online. If you're online, you may not know that in Myrtle Beach it's cold and rainy this morning. So uh, we have made it out into God's house this morning. It's good to be back with you guys. Uh, If you're a first-time guest, if you're just joining us for the first time, welcome. We are honored that you're with us this morning as we are continuing in a series. We're in week four of a study through an Old Testament minor prophet um, by the name of Habakkuk. And so if you have a Bible and you want to join me there, you can go ahead and join me in the book of Habakkuk. We are in chapter two today. If you need a Bible, there are Bibles around you. uh, In the seats around you, grab one of those and follow along with us. Uh, this morning as you're turning there and it's okay to use your table of contents to find the book of Habakkuk totally acceptable this morning it's a little harder to find it's near probably near the middle of your uh, of your scriptures there you're going to find it a little three chapter book um as you're turning there, though, today is the last day to turn in your Operation Christmas Child boxes. We are so thankful for all of you who took boxes and brought them back. If you happen to forget, if you forgot to bring them today and you still would like to fill them and bring them, we have grace. All right, we have grace. We're a church with grace. Uh, You can drop them off this week. This coming week is actually National Collection Week. We are a regional drop-off location here uh, for all the uh, locations around us and stuff. So you can bring it this week. And if for some reason you're not able to fill your box, uh, please bring it back. We'll we'll store it. We'll keep it. Uh, It helps us next year when we um, partner with uh, Operation Christmas Child again. So this this. Today and then this coming week, we gave out a lot of boxes, almost 600 boxes. And so we're looking to see. Amen. Uh, also, today is a very special day for a couple of reasons. Today, as we wrap up OCC, we kick off our Joy Project. Our Joy Project, if you're new with us, is a, is a Christmas offering that we receive every year um, in order to bless those within our church family and around with other families in our community. We also help our strategic partners and the local schools. We're able to provide for them some funds so that they can help those uh, families within the schools uh, that they know of. We, we want to kind of stay behind the scenes with that and let them be a blessing into those families and so we kick that off today and you're interested in knowing more being a part of that in the seats uh, in the seat backs around you you'll find uh, a little note there you can grab one of those and read about that more so we kick that off today and that will run for several weeks as well today if you haven't noticed we have baptisms today all of you guys are in the splash zone well welcome Uh, this is the splash zone right there Uh, (laughs) uh, we have baptisms today and excited for baptisms this morning as we celebrate those who are going to proclaim their faith uh, with us. What an what a incredible morning to be uh, here together doing that. If you are here this morning and 
and you have not been baptized, and, and, or you were, you, know, you were sprinkled as a child as, a, as an act of your parents' faith, or, or just that you feel God's moving in you this morning, that you need to declare your faith, uh, we, we are ready for that. We, and I want to invite you during our time in God's Word to be praying, seeking the Lord on that if He wants you to step, um, step forward and declare Jesus as Savior this morning. Uh, we have towels, we have clothes, we have all of that uh, available for you. And so just, just begin to pray if, that was, if that's on your heart this morning as you see the baptismal and if God's moving in you uh, this morning, we would love for you to be a part of our baptism uh, celebration. Uh, a couple other things. Jingle jam. Guys, Christmas is right around the corner. Not, not to give up on Thanksgiving, all right? Not to give up on Thanksgiving, but Christmas is right around the corner. And if you didn't see uh, pre-service, uh, the video, Jingle Jam is coming. Jingle Jam on December 1st. Uh, we're going to have food trucks out front. It'll open at 5 with those. Auditorium doors will open at 6, show at 6.30. Uh, you can register for that. It's free, um, but we're just trying to get a, an idea of how many we might be seeing on that on that night so if you haven't been a part of jingle jam or if you have come come december 1st and hang out with us and then christmas eve christmas eve this year is uh on a sunday so it's a special year uh, we're gonna have two services on christmas eve 9 a.m and 4 p.m 9 a.m and 4 p.m uh, so you can there'll be identical services you can come to either one of those or come to both if you want to uh, but 9 a.m and 4 p.m and then new year's eve a week later also again on sunday 10.30 a.m., one service, everybody together, all right? So you'll hear more about that as we get going, but uh, just wanted to put those on your calendar, on your radar. All right, is everybody to Habakkuk? See, I gave you plenty of time to find it. We are in the book of Habakkuk this morning. Quick recap of what's happened. So Habakkuk is a prophet. He's an Old Testament minor prophet that God uh, is speaking to to speak to his people. And he gives us kind of an inside look into his personal journey. You could even say this is his personal journal with God. And so um, he is a passionate uh, man for God's people. He's passionate for God's glory. And it causes us to be asking a few questions as we went through this series about ourselves. And as we study this book, we realize how much... Habakkuk uh, can, can be relatable, like we can relate to his faith journey, to his walk with God, and connects to us throughout our lives. And so in chapter 1, Habakkuk comes on the scene, and he writes a complaint. He, he writes a complaint uh, to God about the injustice that he sees and he's observing and God's lack of dealing with it. And then he receives a response from God, a revelation from God as God's prophet. God speaks back to him, and he, and, and he didn't like it. He didn't like what God said, and so, and, and because one of the reasons he didn't like it, because it didn't seem fair, it didn't seem fair. But instead of becoming angry or abandoning God with God's response, he leaned in. He leaned in, and and in that we see in chapter one, there's starts with a complaint. It, it's God's response. It starts with a second complaint, which is what Pastor Tyler looked at last week, and now we get into chapter two. So, so what do you do? So here's some of those questions. What do you do? When you don't understand God's plans, like when what you see and what you believe, what you know, do not align. What do you do when you're in the valley, when you're in the dip, or you're in the middle of a mess? Or what you see around you and within the world looks unfair. When you're asking these questions or the question of where is justice, what do you do? Those are just some of the questions that come up. Maybe this is 
some of the questions you've asked in your own life. Maybe this is where you're at now. When we find ourselves in that valley, what do we do when we look, when we're in a season of doubts, when we're, we're struggling with questions that seem to be unanswered, and it, it's producing, it's causing doubt, what do we do? You see, sometimes when we're in the valley, oftentimes when we're in the valley, what do we want to do? What we want to do is we want to go back to the th way things were. Like, I want to go back to what, how it used to be. We, we see that actually in the story of the nation of Israel. When we're in that valley, we're in that place where we lack understanding, we lack clarity, where, we, where what we see and what we know don't align. When all, in, in all of that, sometimes we just want to go back to, to the way it was when we know, we know it's impossible. We can't go back. It's all new. It's different now. We ask those questions in our doubt, in our lack. And listen, as we see with Habakkuk, it's okay to ask God those questions. It's okay to have that and struggle with that. It's okay. So it doesn't mean that you don't have faith or you've lost faith or any of that. It's okay to have those questions with God as long as it doesn't turn into an accusation of God. So Habakkuk, he's voiced his two complaints in chapter 1. He's in this season, in the valley, if you will. And again, he didn't abandon God. He didn't accuse God, right? He leaned in humbly, and he, and he sought clarity. He sought wisdom. And we see, and as we come to chapter 2, we see that he's kind of still in that valley. So what now? Let me share with you a text from the New Testament. You don't have to turn there, that I think really reinforces the understanding of what we see within chapter 2. In James chapter 1 in the New Testament, in verses 2 through 4, here's, here's what James says. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Remember, when we're in the valley, when we're in the dip, if you will, that it's not wasted. That those times and seasons in our lives, those are not wasted. God uses all things, and maybe most especially those times in the valley for transformation. Often the truth of some of those that are walking closely with God are those who have been through the valley, been through the dip. And what they'll share with you, what I would share with you in going through my own valleys through life is that I didn't walk alone. And that is the promise of Psalm 23, for he is with us, right? And I believe probably many of your faith journeys at a time this is true. So hold on to him, lean in as Habakkuk has done. So picking up where Pastor Tyler finished last week, we're going to cover the last verse uh, that he looked at in chapter 2, verse 1. It's going to be our jump-off point as we work through chapter 2. All right, let's see how God responds to Habakkuk. So Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. So starting with this verse, I think there are three things we can do when we find ourselves in that, in that valley and down in that dip. And here's the first thing. We can stop and listen. We can stop and listen. You ever had someone say that to you? 
You ever had a, had a mom or a dad say, stop, listen to me. I think this is what's happening here is even Habakkuk knows he needs to stop and listen. So we look at this first verse. That's what he did, right? He voiced his second complaint. He, verse, he voiced his first complaint. God responded. He voiced his second complaint in verses 12 through 17 in chapter 1. And now what is he going to do as he states in verse 1? He's going to stop and listen for God's response. And, and we'll notice that, again, God's able to handle those questions. It's not like you get one and you're done. He, he's came, he came back to God with a second complaint, right? He's able to handle that. Even our confused complaints. And by confused complaints, what I mean is our lack of, of seeing the whole picture. Like that, that creates confusion because we don't see the whole picture as God sees it. And sometimes that leads to the complaint. So God is big enough for you and I to talk to him. And, and we, we share this a lot. God already knows what you're thinking. He already knows your heart. Might as well talk to him about it. So last week, Pastor Tyler pointed out our situation like Habakkuk, our view is limited, right? So if our view is limited, the wisest thing to do is then just walk away. Just walk away, right? Not right. The wisest thing to do is to stop, listen in a, in a posture of humility. And here is where the point digs in. We like to voice our confused complaints and then keep going. We like to pause for just a second to, to throw our opinion of complaint and then just keep going and never take the time to really stop and listen, never waiting for God's response. And, and the truth is God's relational. He, he wants to have that interaction, that back and forth. We just sang a song about the relational God that we worship and we praise. He is knowable. And he does speak. He will speak to us. I actually believe he does more often than we even, we even realize. And, and most of the time we miss it. And maybe we miss it because the noise, the noise of life is louder than his voice. Maybe the noises are just louder. The worldly voices have gotten our attention and not his. So God speaks. He speaks through his Holy Spirit within us. He speaks through his word. He speaks through the circumstances, the valleys, the, the seasons that we go through, the situations which tie back to his word. He speaks through others around us, godly people, which tie back to his word. God speaks to us. Problem is, is sometimes we don't like what he says. We don't like what he says. And that may, that may be a fair thing. A fair thing, you didn't, you didn't like the answer. But at least now you know God's answer. There's clarity there on the why and the what. Sometimes we don't like the answer because we don't see the whole picture. Like Tyler said, we don't have the complete view. Let me ask you this. Are we putting ourselves in the best position to hear from God? When you're in that place... That is, that is taking you to a, to a valley, doubts, questions, hurt. Are we putting ourselves in the best position to hear from God? When we're down there, when the questions are numerous, when we need more understanding and clarity, are we positioning ourselves to hear from God? 
Habakkuk, he, he said, I'm going to take my stand at, at the watch post. I'm going to station myself on the tower. It's, it's for us to understand he was preparing himself. He was positioning himself to hear God speak to him. Are we doing that? Can we, can we also have the attitude of expectation? Habakkuk said, I'm going to talk to God, and then I'm going to wait. I'm going to, I'm going to stop and listen with an expectation that God's going to respond. Why? Because God's knowable. He's relational. He cares about us. A similar situation with the Apostle Paul, not exactly the same in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about this thorn in the flesh. It's, it's kind of his complaint and then God's response. A little similarity. And I don't want you to miss the purpose in what's happening in this back and forth with God and Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about this thorn in the flesh and he asks three times. Let me, let me show it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Paul writes, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Look at verses, verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. He, he, three times, three different times, he, he asked the Lord for it to be removed, right? Verse 9, but he said to me, here's God's response. So he voiced a complaint. I got this thorn in the flesh. This is happening. And he did it multiple times. And, he, and God responds, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Look what Paul did as he heard from God. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We realize how humbling that was for Paul, how important it was. Because in verse 10, he says this, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities for when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, when, when we're in the dip in the valley, when what we see and, and what we believe don't align, when the answer is not what we are looking for, we can either throw up our fist at God, or we can know God's grace is sufficient for us. Paul, multiple times, could have just been angry and resented and bitter and drifted and drifted away from the Lord. But instead, he leaned in, he humbled himself, and, he, and he, he believed and he trusted that God's grace is sufficient. In all areas, in all circumstances, in all situations, his grace is sufficient. It brings peace, it brings rest, it brings strength. This humility of Paul displays is the attribute that you and I are to know and rest in. God's grace is sufficient. There's contentment there. Again, it looks like valleys, calamities, persecutions, hardships, insults. These are valleys, right? Paul's content, for he trusts God. Why does he trust God? Because he stopped and listened to what God had to say about what he was complaining about. When we don't understand the valleys, when we're in the mess without answers, when we're asking those questions... We know that, that what God is doing is bigger and it's best. 
And because of that, we can trust. And as we trust, that trust grows. And sometimes, sometimes our trust of what he is doing is all we have because we don't see in full, may not understand it in full this side of eternity. And my question for you and for me, and I wrestled with this this week, is that enough for me? If I don't have the whole answer, if I don't see the whole picture, is that enough for me? Is that enough for you? Is this grace really sufficient for us? Then we get to the next part. We write. We stop and listen and we write because God responds. Verse 2, and the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. He said, write it plainly. So stop, listen, then write. Write it down. Why do we write it down? We write it down to prove years later that, that he is God and he is the God of his word. He's saying, write it down to remember Habakkuk. Write it down for others to remember. Write it down for the generations to remember. Remember is important, isn't it? I'll say that again. Remembering is important, isn't it? For those of you who have been in trouble for not remembering, you know that it's important. The enemy is good at stealing the revelation of truth God's given us. He's really crafty, taking that away from us. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where the Lord answered and you didn't write it down like you didn't record it? And then not long after, in, your, in our forgetfulness, we begin to blame him again. We do that with each other. I told you that. I forgot. I didn't write it down. And I'm in trouble again. Yeah, you know. You all know. We do that with God, too. We write it down. He says, write this down. Throughout Scripture, there are moments where God instructs his people and the leadership to write it down, to build this, or to, or to make this. Why? Because there's a purpose behind all of this. God doesn't waste anything. He's intentional and purposeful so that... You do this so that the people, so that the generations will remember and know. So he instructs Habakkuk to write the vision plainly. And he's going to write the rest of the words that we see in chapter 2 and, in, and into chapter 3 about God's glory. And this vision that God gives to him starting here, it, tur it, it turned Habakkuk from a person of worry to a person of worship. When you and I behold the glory of God, when we believe the word of God, it gives us faith to accept the will of God. We see it in Habakkuk's life. We're going to see it as we wrap up this series through chapter 3 in the next couple of weeks. So if we're discouraged and wondering if God will deliver, if God will keep his promise, the answer is yes. Wait for him. Don't forget don't give up. Remember, write it down. Now, a reference point for many of us about writing this type of stuff down is writing down our prayers. Maybe you even have a prayer journal. Maybe you have a study journal where as you study through the Word, you write notes from time to time about what He's speaking and what His Word is saying or about those prayers. How many times, I'll ask you, how many times have you went back and been able to look back at those prayers or, or those those moments that God 
illuminated the scripture into your heart and your mind, and you, and you saw his faithfulness. You saw the answer. How many times have you been able to do that? That's what's happening here. He's like, write this down because the people are going to be able to go back and see that I was faithful. And as we see and experience and know that he's faithful, we continue to grow in trust. Write it down. How about the opportunities as we, as we have that in our own lives? How many times have you been able to take that journal and say, look, I prayed for you back here, and here's God's answer. It's powerful in our testimony and our witnessing to others about God moving and speaking like we know he does. It's a faithfulness of God in our lives. We write it down. And I know it seems simple, but that's why it's important. Because we have a great tendency to forget the past faithfulness and promises of God. And it's our, our calling and our role to, to write it, to show the faithfulness in our own generation to the generations to come until Christ comes back. So we write it down to recall. We write it down to show, prove God's faithfulness. So we stop. We listen. We write it down. Number three, we wait. It's our favorite thing to do. Wait. Like even that was awkward, wasn't it? You're like, say something. What happened? Did he just check out? I mean, I haven't been up here in a while, so maybe I did. You'll never know. We wait. Verse 3. Look at this. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, look at this. Wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. We wait. But let me, let me add to that just, just a little bit. We wait in motion. We wait in motion. We don't just put everything aside and just drop everything that we're doing and hole up in our waiting closet and just kind of peek out every so often to see if it's come to pass. We actively wait for it to happen because we trust that it will. Now, I know this isn't, again, our favorite thing to do. It's easy to say out loud. It's really hard to live out, though, because we live in a society that never stops moving. Constant motion. J- just like we just did with the pause. The, the, to pause seems like death at times. Look at how, again, how he responded to Habakkuk. If it seems slow, <laughs> he, he, doesn't, he doesn't encourage him. He doesn't say, it's, it's okay, it's coming, it's faster. If he says, if it seems slow, wait for it. <laughs> Don't give up on it. Don't forget about it. Don't dismay. The revelation will come. The answer will happen on his perfect timetable. And in our waiting, we're to be ready. We're to, again, to stay alert, to stay focused on the day, to stay focused on what he has in front of us. We're actively waiting. And we're trusting. Why? Again, God is able to make promises, and he's able to keep them because he's faithful. Maybe you've heard this before. We've certainly said this around here a lot. God's delays are not God's denials. We see this lesson throughout the scriptures. It's not just what we read there in verse 3, but we see it throughout the scriptures. And maybe it's true in your own testimony. In fact, I would say for for our testimonies, there probably are these little places of waiting, right? But we see it in, in, in big, big parts of waiting. Moses, 40 years wandering in the desert, the wandering tour in the wilderness, right? Before leading the people to the promised land. Joseph. Right? He, promised, he was promised to be a great leader. After that, he was beaten. He was imprisoned. It was years before that came to pass. Paul, 
He was commissioned to preach 13 years before that actually happens. We see it throughout Scripture. We're called to wait, but we wait actively. We stop and listen. And that isn't in conflict with waiting. Notice for Habakkuk, it was, here's my complaint. I'm going to stop. I'm going to position myself to hear. I'm going to listen. I'm going to hear what God has for me. And then God responded, and now he's in waiting for what God said is going to happen as he wrote it down. He's waiting for the appointed time for it to happen. The same is true for us. We, we need to hear from God and then wait on God for the appointed time, all the while reflecting on his promises and his faithfulness. Uh, we, we say around here often, we, we don't, let us not run out in front of God and, and try to manufacture a, a godly move. Let, let us not get out in front of him. But, but let us not lag behind him either because of, uh, of fear or timidity or unsure. But rather, let us walk in step with the Lord as he lights each one and that we trust that each step that he leads us to take is the perfect ordered step by the King of Kings. Sometimes, though, in that waiting while we're in the valley, it paralyzes us. It freezes us up. We dwell on it. And although the, the valley may not get bigger, the problem may not increase, our thoughts about it do. And this is used against us. It diminishes our trust in Jesus. It diminishes our trust in the Lord. It, it, it causes drift. It causes us to kind of move off center with where our eyes are. We distance ourselves from his church or his calling on our lives. But God says it's going to pass. It's going to happen. Just wait. Actively wait. He's saying to us, voice your fears. Bring your complaints, your heartaches, your troubles. Then pause. Listen. Write it down and then wait. It will happen. Press in. Press in. Now, back in our text. So that's what he's saying to Habakkuk. Listen, write, wait. He's going to punish the Babylonians in his time and in his way. And we see God's response for taking care of business, right? In verse 4, we read, Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. And it sounds similar to other texts we have within the scriptures, within God's word about pride and fall, right? Puffed up is another way of saying prideful. It's another way of saying arrogant, like your chest is puffed up. You know, you know that, that, uh, that illustration, right? The contrast in this verse is righteous faith. So the Babylonians had a reputation of arrogance, of pride, inflated egos. They were all about themselves and no one else. And it's going to be their downfall. It's going to be what causes their destruction. We know this attitude, don't we? We know it. It's not gone away. It wasn't just the Babylonians who had an arrogant, conceited, prideful heart, right? We know it, right? James 4, back in the New Testament, James wrote this about it. James 4, verse 6, the last half, he says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's the truth of Scripture. That's what's happening here in verse 4 and what happens from verse 4 down through chapter 2. So in contrast to arrogance, in contrast to pride, conceitedness, the second part of verse 4 is the righteous shall live by faith, whereas the unrighteous will die by their arrogance, the righteous will live by faith. Those who are righteous keep the faith, which is what verse 4 was speaking to us. This verse is considered the most important verse in all of Habakkuk. It's the most popular verse 
in all of Habakkuk. It's referenced three different times in the New Testament. The righteous, no matter where we are in our journey. And we are only righteous because of Jesus. It's his robe of righteousness that has, that has covered us. It isn't any of our own. Is it isn't our good works. It isn't our attendance. It isn't our giving. Isn't it, our, it isn't any of those things. It's first and foremost because our belief in Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Our righteousness, this righteousness that we are to live, no matter where we are on our journey, whether it's on a flat road, we're in a season where it's just kind of plateaued, we're in a deep valley, or we're on a mountaintop, wherever we are, we always live by faith. We just don't give up on faith. Faith isn't just a one-time thing. It's an everyday thing. So we have faith. Faith in what? Faith in what God has said to us. Faith in who God is, what he's recorded for us, who, who he is, his promises to us. It doesn't cease to happen. And we celebrate this faith in baptism. This is what we'll celebrate is this faith in God, this trust in God. Again, verse 4 is it say we begin by faith and then we proceed on to some other principle. It does not say the righteous shall draw on faith from time to time as is needed. It says the righteous shall continually live by faith. It's the faith principle and this isn't some faithful keeping of law or faithful keeping of morality. It's faith in God, the creator, the sustainer. It's faith in Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. It is the faith that we only have through Christ. And then the next part of chapter 2 lays out the fall. The fall of the proud Babylonians. There's five woes. Verses now, let me look at those woes. Verse 6, let me just read them off to you. Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own. A selfish ambition. Verse 9, woe to him who gets evil gain for his house. That's greed. Verse 12, woe to him who builds a town with blood. That's cruelty. Verse 15, woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. That's debauchery. Verse 19, woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake. That's idolatry. All of these are reminders. All of this is, the, is a description of the Babylonians and the Babylonian Empire. God was showing Habakkuk, he was telling Habakkuk that in his time, punishment will come. It will come, and this is what he has against them. This is, this is what they're accused of. This is what the, the evil and the wickedness of who they are, and I will take care of it. The Lord is reassuring Habakkuk and us that the wicked will not prosper. This is true for all time, for all time. This is true before Habakkuk. This is true after Habakkuk. The wicked will not prosper. God reigns sovereignly on the throne. And when we receive injustice or we observe injustice, we can still find rest that God will bring about a righteous and holy justice. But it will happen in his time frame, in his perfect way. Let me finish as we get ready for baptism. Let me point out of two final verses in our text. Verse 14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And then in verse 20, the last verse of our text, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. There's three assurances that Habakkuk received in chapter 2 from God. Three different times that he was assured of who God is and what God is doing. Let's, let's not miss this today. Let's be encouraged by this. In verse 4, and I just kind of talked about that, it's God's grace. He gives grace 
for us to live by faith in him. It's his unmerited favor that has brought us home into a relationship with Christ. In our, in our repentance and in our faith and our confession of sin, we are made new. That is his grace. It's only by his grace. And in that, we have faith. And that faith is, is growing daily, right? We have grace that brings the faith. In verse 14, we see God's glory. I just read that, that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is the waters cover the sea. It's going to be filled, right? So, so meaning that the glory of any wickedness or darkness will not last. Praise the Lord. For God's glory will reign forever and ever and ever. And in verse 20, it's God's sovereignty. For he is in control of all things, right? He says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. We need not question God's working. What we need to do, and what we're called to do, is be still and know that he is God. And the nations will exalt him. Psalm 4610. Let's be encouraged by that. And then lastly, in verse 20... These three words, and I would encourage you write these down or circle it or, or make note of this. These three words, let's wait and see them always be true, and that is this, but the Lord. But the Lord. Living by faith, we still don't see the answer in our lifetime of what God has promised. We remember, because we wrote it down, but the Lord. I was reading, and, and maybe this is part of your testimony too, I was reading about a gentleman who prayed for the salvation of several of his friends for, for years, for years. He prayed for the Lord to shine upon them, for them to respond to the invitation of the gospel to know Christ. He prayed daily for them, and he never got to witness them coming to Christ. And on the day of his funeral, both of those two men accepted the Lord. As Savior. So we say, but the Lord. But the Lord is in his holy temple. But the Lord is on his throne. But the Lord is still in charge forevermore. But the Lord, he is good. He is righteous. He is true. I will live and walk by faith in him. For Habakkuk, this chapter was life-changing. It changed his entire trajectory. And you'll see that as we look into next week in chapter 3. This is a quote that I have in, similar in my office, but I, I have this wrote down in different places. We don't always know what the future holds, but we know the one who holds the future. When I don't understand, I'll choose you, God. When I don't understand, I'll choose to love you, God. Even when we don't see it, God is working. And he has worked in the lives of those who will step into the baptismal. And as we prepare for baptisms this morning, as we celebrate those, I want to invite you, if that is you this morning, that want to declare, but the Lord, but the Lord has saved me by faith and repentance. But the Lord has me, and no one else or no other thing has but the Lord. If you want to declare that in baptism today, we'd love that opportunity. The band's going to come out. They're going to lead us through a song, and we're going to praise the Lord through worship and, and song. And I'm going to invite you, if that's you this morning, again, we have everything that you would need. Just meet us in the Connection Center. We would love that opportunity. Let's seek the Lord in prayer right now. God, thank you. 
Thank you for your word to Habakkuk and to us this morning. Thank you for the promise but the Lord that no matter what we face or come up against, we can, we can speak, we can preach that to our own hearts and our own minds but the Lord. What might look impossible or, or just unfathomable, un, un, unimaginable to overcome or to, to, to recover or to, to move forward, we can say, but the Lord you're in your holy temple. You are on your holy throne. You are in control of all things, and your glory will fill this earth. We got to hold on and lean in. We got to listen. We got to write it down. We got we to wait. Trusting, that trust growing. God, I know we don't see everything, we have a limited view of all that you are doing. God, help us today to sing this song knowing that you are working and you are making all things work out for those that love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.